Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Hey family, it's Thursday, so you know it's time for another helping of barbecue goodness. This is episode 14 of season 2, Living the Dream. In this season, I'll be chatting with some of the most successful barbecue entrepreneurs out there about the different types of business you can get into and what it takes to be successful. Have you ever looked at a smoker and thought, if that were me, I'd have done it another way? You might be sitting on an idea that could launch you a very tidy barbecue business. In this episode, Julianne from Jagged Wood-Fired Smoker Ovens takes us into the life of a barbecue manufacturer, walking us through the entire process from idea to distribution. If you have a design and a desire, you are in the right place. So go grab yourself some homemade jerky and a tall glass, and let's get stuck into it. This is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? It's nice to see businesses out there that see the problems in the world and seek to solve them. Clean Heat Barbecue is one of these businesses. A charcoal and briquette manufacturer, Clean Heat prides themselves on being the most eco-friendly brand on the market today. Harvesting from an invasive species that's destroying valuable farmland in Namibia, Clean Heat Barbecue's products are sustainable, eco-friendly, 100% natural and renewable. Most importantly for barbecue enthusiasts, their products are clean burning and long lasting. It is the fuel of choice for many top barbecue teams in Australia, and Clean Heat Barbecue is known for being strong supporters of the Australian barbecue scene, sponsoring several competitions every season. At Clean Heat Barbecue, their motto is the four Fs, fire, food, and friendship. When those three come together, you'll be fueling your passion. To find your local distributor of Clean Heat Barbecue products, follow Clean Heat Charcoal on Facebook at Clean Heat BBQ and on Instagram at Clean underscore Heat Charcoal and send Abel a PM. Hi, Julianne. Thank you for joining me in the confessional for this, the penultimate episode of season two, Living the Dream. The first thing I have to ask you is, what was the last thing you barbecued? Uh, that was last night. Um, fired up the asado grill quickly for some loin chops. So nice and easy, hot and fast. Um, yeah, so we had that with your, your basic sides. Um, so whilst Glenn was working up the shed, I was um, firing that up and getting a simple dinner ready. Sounds delicious. They were actually. They had a nice um, skin on the outside, so they um, caramelised up nicely. Do you find that the that, that the asado grill cooks things up differently to a to a standard grill? Uh, I think so because you can adjust the height. So you're not sort of cooking on that one level um, in fear of so in fear of um, burning, you know, with those hot coals. So even with the coals hot, you can raise the grill so that it, you know, cooks at the time and temperature that that you want. So that it's you know it's a lot easier, I think, um, to adjust your temp on the, on the grill like that. Yeah, for sure. Okie dokie. Just uh, continuing on from that, we're actually recording this today on Australia Day. So what's your plans for uh, cooking something up for Australia Day? 
Uh, well, sadly, I'm not cooking. Um, once again, Glenn's in the shed for the moment, and then we're off to a cousin's who um, is going to be throwing um, stuff on the barbie today. So that'll be interesting, standing back and, and having someone else do the cooking. <laughs> sort of, yeah, get a little bit, bit um, ha- antsy standing standing by and watching, but um, I'm sure we'll have a good chat anyway. Oh, you don't think that the cousin's going to get there and go, oh, Julianne's here, and then stand back and hand you the tongs? Uh, no, 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 no. A, a, a man or a woman's grill is their own. <laughs> no, no. Oh, fantastic. Now, given that you're a barbecue manufacturer, I'm going to modify the next question a little and make it a bit more specific. So, when you're cooking a midweek after work barbecue, what's your go to rig? Uh, generally, it's the Black Beauty, our, the smaller of our um, smokers, wood fired ovens. She um, fires up within 30 minutes. So, it, I usually, you know, whatever it is that we're cooking in the afternoon or for that evening, um, goes in there. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter whether I throw in some chicken or even a casserole pot um, can go in there. Um, but, you know, your, your old um, uh, cookers and those sorts of things. So, yeah, it's generally generally the jagged that we'll go to. Um, it, it, whatever I take out of the freezer that afternoon goes in there. Yeah. 30 minutes to get up to temp is incredible. I've got a, an electric oven in my house and when I want to cook midweek in that, it takes 30 minutes to get up to temperature. So uh, th- 30 minutes and it's outside so the kitchen doesn't get hot. That's awesome. No, exactly. And that's a, that's a big thing. Uh, I can't remember the last time I cooked inside and if I did, it would have been reluctantly. Um, but yeah, because of the time, there's there's no time really. By the time you light your fire and get inside and prep a little bit, um, she's good to go. All wood. So the wood um, obviously helps get the the temperature and the heat in there a lot quicker. Yeah, definitely. And that and that beautiful wood-fired flavor as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I never get tired of that. <laughs> yeah. So what's your 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 favorite thing to cook? Um, my favorite thing, there's many, but to have a particular it'd have to be pork ribs, either low and slow or hot and fast. Um, cuz they're yeah they're pretty well forgiving, so to speak. Um, you get that nice sweet flavour, uh, easy eat, fingers food, so to speak. Everyone loves a, a pork rib too. Um, so, yeah, so I either throw them into the Black Beauty, Jagged, the standard, or for, you know, three, four hours and the traditional wrap and, and all that sort of stuff, or I throw them on the grill, the asado, um, I was watching a barbecue pit boys video at some stage for one hour ribs, and I thought, nah, no way. So yeah, he put them on an asado wrap first. So sadly, there's not a great um, deal. There's no real smoky flavour, but they come out just as tender, um, which is quite amazing. So that's what we usually do at comps when we have tips for treats. I'll throw half a dozen racks on the asado, and they're ready within the hour, which is great. Yeah. Right. Did, did you just say tips for treats? What's that? 
Uh, Tips for Treats is a great initiative um, that the smoking charity barbecue um, events team run at all the competitions here, the smoking comps here. Um, So basically after the teams have finished their turn-ins and (laughs) they've got half an hour to relax, um, basically um, the public comes in and purchases a $5 tips card, uh, which also becomes their people's choice voting card and um, they can go around and taste the competitors team's foods that they've cooked overnight whatever's left over and and my goodness do they cook a whole lot more um, to share (laughs) and that five dollars that five dollars goes to charity straight to charity which is wonderful Wonderful. Yeah, that's a beautiful initiative. We could never get away with that over here. The Gold Coast City Council shuts that down real quick. Oh, really? Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, at the at the local comps here, we are not allowed to give food away to anybody unless every team at the competition has a food license and it's a food and and it's a properly licensed venue event. It possibly will come to that here, but at present, we're we're blessed and able to go go under the Mondo Community Warriors uh, banner and insurance um, because we're not selling it. Well, we're not personally selling it. It comes under Mondo. Um, we can currently work that way. But I think councils here are starting to to sort of come to the same level of um, possibly asking teams to register as a food vendor so to speak whereas they're not selling but yeah which will be sad it'll be make it a little bit more difficult but um certainly not impossible yeah no you're right they're so strict on it over here we can't even give it away without that food license it's ridiculous wow it is and it's and it's sad it is because there's so many people just hankering to get a taste and don't get to these things often and to be able to taste the team's um, produce too, what they produce is amazing, which is completely, of course, different <laughs> to what we would normally cook it for ourselves, but it's a different level again. Mm, for sure. So how did you get into the low and slow scene? Um. I was actually um, sent a message by one of our customers because we've been on the market since 2014. Uh, So late 2015, I get a message from David up in Queensland and he said, "Um, you've really got to check out this new group. Um, He was contemplating, um, yes, having a go. So he introduced me to the ABA page. And that was the first I'd really heard of low and slow. I'd never been sort of been brought up with it or um, had any great knowledge of it. Um, So from there, I obviously perused the many posts on that page, which was, (laughs) you know, a small gathering at that stage. Um, Now it's crazy, over 50,000. But yeah, just reading, the, they had so many tips and everything like that. So I just read and, of course, Googled and researched and I just, you know, wanted to not only test myself but test our product, our ovens, uh, smokers, on on this new method too. So, yeah, just I just practised and, and researched and, and, yeah, fell in love with it. So... Um, and Glenn had a mouthful. <laughs> 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 and so, so once he tried it, he was on board. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Comps was a different story. You needed a little coaxing there, but um, yeah, definitely. No, that's, it's pretty well what we, what we do now, either low and slow or hot and hot and fast, the same produce, the same proteins. That's great. Mm. That's great. Barbecue. Now you're a key figure in, in the barbecue scene in, in WA. What is it about the low and slow scene that keeps you so involved? Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's an honour to be considered a um, a key figure, but uh, definitely the community. Uh, seriously, the the just the support and and the encouragement um, we get through them, and just sharing ideas and and yeah, just with those around and great love of sharing barbecue and wood fired and. Yeah, definitely the community and how they how they sort of spreading the word of of barbecue and having those like minded people in in your group is terrific. Um, so yeah, and just sharing that and having people sort of have confidence um, in me myself to um, you know promote it also is is a great honor like through smoking in the water um stefan asked me to help um coordinate um the smoke on the water here which was in november last year and um i loved it i could you know i think i found my calling there um so just to be able to share and bring the public in and as you say have them you know share those those the fruits of the team's labour and um, appreciate it is is amazing. And, yeah, definitely the community. They come up here. We have a big um, barbecue meet here probably once or twice a year where we have about 100 or so families and kids. It's great to see the kids running around and enjoying the the, the ambience of the wood fire and wowing at their, um, their foods coming out of a, a wood fire and, and that sort of thing. So I just love the love the community. A hundred families. Do you live on a property or something? Yeah, we've got 10 acres here um, in about an hour, an hour and a bit, depending on where you're coming from, from Perth. Um, so it's a great little getaway for everybody and it's wonderful to be able to open it up to those that are coming from the city and, um, you know, we've got a few horses here and the kids get around and have a, give them a feed and it's a great experience for everyone. So it's really an epitome of, of the barbecue family and how everyone gets together and shares. Yeah, so we're blessed to be able to do that. That sounds absolutely lovely. So with all your experience in the, in the WA scene, have you seen the development of a Western Australian flavour profile? What makes, I guess what I'm asking is what makes Western Australian barbecue unique? Um, I'm not too sure whether we've actually found our own feet and flavour yet. I think um, everyone's sort of still, um, well, not the, uh, I guess, the protein, so to speak, but they're starting to come to their own with their own flavours and stuff like that. Um, but it seems to be still the 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 sweet and the heat, the heat-sweet um combination the sweet heats and those sorts of things um but yeah i think some are trying to to buck the trend and go their own way which is terrific um i recall that um 
I tried to do the same thing with it through a competition, which is probably not always a good practice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And one of the judges came back, I didn't recognise the flavour. So obviously they've got in their mind in a particular favour that should be on a on a protein. Um, so it's sort of hard to to turn those um, thoughts or around or introduce other flavours, I guess, at the moment. Um, but as time progresses, I'm pretty sure that um, and we'll definitely find our own feet and our own flavours for sure. Yeah, that's a real danger on the on the comp circuit at the moment. That. Um as the scene grows, which is fantastic, and the knowledge mm. is spread, which is also fantastic, judges are going to go in with a preconceived idea. And we in Australia here, we have a real opportunity to to take this concept and like take barbecue as a concept rather than a concrete prescribed methodology, and and Absolutely. really and really make that our own. And so I've I've tried to do things where I I incorporate, you know, Queensland flavors. I'll bring in mangoes and pineapple and all this mm. sort of stuff. And uh, come up with things that, you know, we over here in Queensland, my, my friends and family just adore, but I put it mm. in front of the judges and I just get shellacked, <laughs> yeah, absolutely shellacked. It's disheartening, isn't it? It's terrible. You know, you're trying to buck the trend, so to speak, or as you say, bring in those local flavours. Um, but, yeah, um, I guess, yeah, it's funny what um, – it's hard to know what they expect sometimes, but um, that's all part of the game, I guess. Is um, nutting that out? Yeah, I'm not giving up though. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pursue it. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Even you know, from top to to bottom to middle, to, no matter where you play, some um, the the drive to go again is just you know, it doesn't end. Yeah. I mean, we've got our next <laughs> next comp in um, early next month, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. So, can you tell us the story of of how jagged the business came about? Oh, Jagged the Business. Jagged the Business came about in, well, actually it was probably 2009 um, when we were sitting around having a conversation um, with family over a few drinks and they'd come to visit. We were living in Victoria at the time. I'd taken Glenn home to visit to meet my family over there and both working for, you know, the Average Joe, I was sadly working in an office, or not sadly, but I was working in an office with four walls and no windows. So we were hankering to work, to find something we could do together. Um, And we were just, yeah, nutting over things. And someone suggested um, at that stage it was wood-fired pizza. Everyone loves a pizza um, and those sorts of things, and we love wood-fired, so... Basically, 12 months later, uh, as soon as Glenn has something in his head, he just runs with it. So 12 months later, we had our first um, trailer built. Glenn built it and put on a standard dome oven, the traditional domes. And, yeah, we started in our backyard. So um, served in our driveway. At that stage in Victoria, you were able to easily um, register your home kitchen. Um, which is what we did. We did that through the council, of course, and, yeah, served to family and friends and had the opening karaoke night and <laughs> oh, wow. everyone came to the driveway and, and, you know, tried out Jagged, Jagged Woodfired. So, and it was a hit. It was a small little town in Victoria and seriously without their encouragement in, in Stanhope, which is close to Shepparton and Bendigo, 
um, we just, yeah, without their constant encouragement, we wouldn't be where we are today for sure. So that's where Jagged started and then we went on the road for four years, um, sort of living the dream, so to speak, and um, just catered. We catered, you know, we ended up doing the the beef rolls, the slow-cooked beef rolls and those sorts of things, which were a hit on the road. And, um, yeah, so Jagged went from there to um, then finding a new and easier way to um, to cook these pizzas and faster and um, ended up designing our own ovens through that. So when you say that you went on the road, do you mean that you were based out of your house in Melbourne and going uh, like out to an event and back home again? Or do you mean you actually like planned a route around Australia and, and, and hit up events everywhere you went? Yes, yes. Well, we, as I said, we started in Victoria and that was a, a small visit, supposed to be a small visit, but we stayed there for three years and that's where we built the trailer. And we bought an old horse float truck, a horse truck, um, and converted that, took out all the insides out the back. Glenn did a wonderful job. Pulled all the insides out and rebuilt the back with stainless steel benches, plumbing, you know, water tanks underneath. We even had a dishwasher. And um, so that was in half of the truck in, in the horse part and we got that registered. And then there was a sleeping half with um, above the cab of the truck um, that we was our living area. So probably I would say it would have been about – our living area would have been about three metres by – two and a half metres, um, and then, of course, the kitchen on the back was probably about two metres by th- two metres again or three metres, and we worked out of that, travelling, booking into shows. Um, when you get into shows, sadly, you have to book sometimes, which is not a bad thing when you're on the road, really, but you've got to book, you know, three, four, six months in advance. So we had a route already set. Um, so we came across from Victoria, started um, doing all the festivals and events here, and we just basically slept on site. That was our that was our four years travelling on the road from site to site and meeting wonderful people and yeah, full time wood fired. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. It, it was. If anyone's thinking about it, it doesn't make you a million dollars, but it certainly affords you a wonderful lifestyle. In that respect, if you're going to tr- if you're going to vendor or or um, yeah, cater in that respect in that way, yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, it was lots of fun. And the fact that Glenn and I could work together, which um, some people found hard to believe 24-7 with your spouse, um, but that's just the way we work. Yeah, so that was it was great fun. Met a lot of lovely people. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So as a husband and wife team, how do your skills complement each other and how do you divide responsibilities? Glenn... <laughs> um, Glenn's the builder. He's a, he's a magician when it comes to designing and um, putting things together. I mean, he started this new project um, probably a week and a half ago, if that, and he's already um, at finishing point. So he's got always has a, a beanie's bonnet and he runs runs with it. Um, so Glenn is most definitely the builder. On occasion, and you might see me get in there and help him cut some um, 
some steel up in in lengths and all those sorts of things for him. But so Glenn is in the shed, and so to speak, and I am the accounts, the marketing. Um, having that experience in my background of accounts um, from way back when. And, um, yeah, so accounts, marketing, distribution, uh, logistics and competitions and testing out the ovens. My big job is is to test out the products. <laughs> and I sort of say it needs this or it needs that or, you know, where is that blue smoke? Why aren't we getting that? Um, so Glenn tweaks those things to get it right. Yeah. Ah, sounds like a very well organised setup there. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So, so getting back to the ovens themselves, the full name mm-hmm. is Jagged Wood Fired Smoker Ovens. What exactly is a jagged? Uh, well, the wood fired smoker ovens um, is, is put there for the fact, for the simple reason of SEO and um, and and reach through our website. So, our actual name, business name, is Jagged Wood Fired. Um, so a jagged is well, jagged can the jagged name came about through Glenn and myself, of course. It's Julianne Glenn Richard Davies. Um, so um I guess jagged is us to a very um big degree. Uh, but jagged wood fired is is just universal. Um, we love wood fired in every sense of the word. And um, to encourage and and present people an easier way or a, a any way of getting into it um, is where Jagged is. So with our products, it's our they range from our Jagged um, Black Beauty, which is our uh, standard, which is what we um, advise for backyards and those um, starting out, of course not such a big family, good for two or or more because you can fit um, four to five pizzas in that. Um, And then you've got our stretch, which is the three-shelf sort of first entry level to catering or the bigger crowds, and that's three stainless shelves. Um, And then, of course, you've got our beast. And um, so, yeah, jagged, jagged is is vast and broad in um, in in what it is, I guess, and and now with this new product, we're hoping to um, yeah take her even further, or just the concept of wood fired and and charcoal and and those sorts of things. So from that, I gather that you started with the concept of a wood fired pizza oven, and then modified it for low and slow barbecue. Did I get that right? Well, surprisingly, we didn't have to modify it at all. And this was one of the um, amazing things, which is what obviously David saw in it in introducing us to the ABA and low and slow. Because at that stage, as I said, this was back in, you know, late 2015, early uh, mid-15. I'd not heard much about low and slow. So to go to put our oven or smoke or whatever you want to call it, um, it to the test of low and slow was was interesting, which is another reason, I guess, for starting the competitions, just to see where she did sit in that um, in that category of, of smoker, low and slow smoker. So, yeah, so just tweak, tweaking 
only the through the damper and dampers and the small adjustment of the the original model, um, we found that it can do a whole different whole new method. So yeah, which was wonderful, um, and we're sort of. I'm sort of stuck on that myself at the moment. I can't remember, sadly, the last time I had a wood-fired pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only time we tend to throw the pizzas in is when the kids come up for the meet-up. Um, that's the first thing we cook. Um, generally, once the um, brisket and the pork butts are, are resting, um, I bump her up and we throw in some pizzas for the kids to get through lunch and then we, um, yeah, start throwing everything else in, and which is terrific. Ah, love that story. I, I hope David from Queensland's got some uh, shares in the business now. Oh, he's wonderful. He's such a sweet fellow and he does. He um, He's a huge encouragement even to this day. And, um, yeah, he's a, a mad. He's got his um, – he's got almost a steak container full of um, camp ovens. They are absolutely beautiful. I said to him, I need to, we just need to swap half. I'll just have half and he'll still be left with half a container and a container load. But, yeah, so he's a great encouragement um, and as a, as a many um, along the way. Beautiful. Now, you briefly mentioned competitions before. The first time I saw a Jagged was at the Brisbane Barbecue Festival in 2016. How did you organise that and what was the experience like? Oh, well, uh, after the excitement of winning um, Grand Champion here in the March at the Cider and Pork Festival um, and meeting everybody or not even not physically meeting, but, you know, getting to know the Eastern States community over there, you know, the Shank Sisters, uh, Rach is lovely and, you know, just going adding to the conversations over time. We really wanted to get over there and, and meet everybody and be a part and experience that side because um, our competitions here at that stage were quite small. Um, we'd be lucky to get 10 teams. So we went over there. Um, we travelled, just popped it, basically booked it. Um, we got a few sponsors to help us along the way. Um, where The fellow that Glenn was working with, they helped sponsor our fuel. So they um, gave us a certain amount of on a fuel card that we carried with us and our meat was sponsored through a local butcher here at the time, um, the Meat Hook. And, yeah, so that helped us afford a little. Um, but, yeah, we basically just packed everything up in the trailer and ourselves, of course, and um, travelled nonstop. Oh, my goodness. We left on the Monday and we got to Brisbane. We've got family there uh, in Harvey Bay, and we got there on the Thursday before. Yeah, so it was a crazy just drive, drive. You sleep, I'll drive. You sleep, I'll drive. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was crazy trip, and we lost a couple of. Oh goodness, I was driving. Glenn was sleeping. And um, a tyre blew out on the trailer and so in the middle of the night, torch and rain, we were changing tyres and it was a great adventure. <laughs> <laughs> but well worth it. No, it was terrific. It was, yeah, we loved it. So, yeah, just um, we even had um, – because as I said, I, had, I have family over that way. So we even introduced and had my cousin Ash come and join us on the team 
So he had a ball um, getting to know barbecue comp and foods and how it was cooked. And so, yeah, that was it was great. Loved it. Yeah. Now, that's not the furthest you've traveled for a barbecue comp, though. You've competed in Houston at the World's Championship Barbecue Contest. Can you tell us that mm. story? Wow. Well, um, that's that was um, through sponsored an, an initiative through the ABA, which they're still doing. Um, but we um, went into through they, how they drew it the first year was those that had won a grand champion since their inception, I think, was 2014 back in Port Mac. Um, so anyone who had won a grand champion, reserve grand champion, or a place in a barbecue ABA barbecue competition got a certain amount of ticket entries or drawn entries. So as GCs, we got three entries, uh, it, um, and then of course reserves got two, and first and a place got one entry into the draw. And um, that was a live draw with Jess Priles and Ryan from Pits and Spits, who was also sponsoring the initiative to get us over to the Houston World Barbecue Championships. And, um, yeah, so on the live feed, um, we got drawn out to go, which was a huge shock, Um, sadly, well, but we put it down to must must have been meant to be. Sadly, the first one that picked out Ryan dropped, um, so, and then he picked a, put his hand in the bowl again, basically, and picked out Jagged Wood, um, smoking hot Jagged Edge, which is our um, barbecue team name. Yeah, so we went over there and competed. That was an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, just just to get drawn and um, be in that position to be drawn um, was huge to start with. But um, that was my first time out of Australia. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. But, um, yeah, it was it was huge. So, um, we, yeah, we went over there. And being a small team ourselves um, and chosen, uh, we could have very well just gone on our own. But there was an opportunity to take up to a team of six um, at that stage. So we thought, why not um, invite others to join our team and, um, and take the opportunity to have that experience too, once in a lifetime, my goodness. Um, so we invited a few other fellows from other champion teams here in WA to join us, um, which was great So to share that. So we went over as the Jagged Liquid Griller Groper team. That's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) So a combination of all the teams invited, um, us being drawn, of course, um, were combined into the one team, which was great to share that experience. And how was the competition itself? Oh, huge. Huge. I mean, you'd walk past some of these tents and they're just massive. I mean, they've got on the outside, they've got um, a, a capacity that they can allow into the tent at any certain time. And some of these some of these tents were holding up to, you know, 900 people. It was crazy, absolutely crazy. They're absolutely huge. They've got a band, one, smokers one end, in, um, band in the middle and a free bar at the other end. Um, as soon as you walk in, they 
wonderful, wonderful hosts wherever you go. Um, but being an international team um, gives you, I guess, the opportunity to go into more tents than um, others would as they're all um, paid entry. So people pay. This is how they raise their funds. It's a huge um, charity event itself, um, which is another wonderful reason um, to be a part of it. Um, but, yeah, basically you people um, – purchase a ticket to enter these tents and once they get in there basically all food and alcohol is free so long as they're they're in there and of course the Aussies are welcomed in and fed very well on alcohol first of course <laughs> <laughs> and then um, you know yeah they're more than happy to show you their pits and everything and you know we've made some fantastic friends and um, since then and carried them home with us. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely an eye-opener. It's huge. I mean, when we were there, there was 250 teams and that was, you know, going coming from WA, which is the max 20 teams, um, to 250 teams on this huge, huge area. And, um, yeah, just treated the people that um, Darlene and Buddy that look after you in the international tent um, couldn't have been any more lovely. Um, yeah, serving serving at the bar. Of the course, there's a bar at the international tent too. So, <laughs> yeah, bottoms up. But, yeah, just to walk around, it was just flabbergasting. Um, and they, they've got over 1,300 or 13,000 volunteers over that weekend. Yeah, it's a crazy amount of people. And if I recall correctly, that weekend, because all the um, all the tents, teams' tents, are sponsored outside. So basically, you've got all these barbecue tents, uh, teams, sorry, that are um, going to be there cooking and, and raising funds, but they're all sponsored by outside um, butchers or builders or whatever else have you that come in and build their 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 site and then they just go in and they they cook and raise funds with all the entry so they managed to raise 21 million at that one competition which seriously is, seriously seriously how that is just just yeah almost unbelievable yeah Crazy. Some of the tents um, that we went in would have. Um, one fellow said cost eighty odd thousand dollars in sponsorship to put together. Um, just the um, uh, amount of effort and and funds that people put towards raising funds for charity is is um, yeah, it's just a, a blessing to be a part of. And the people were just more than couldn't have asked for better hospitality. Yeah. Yes, I remember being dragged from by um, um, uh, Marty. She was a lady that we went and from the um, barbecue social club, and she is was the pit master there, and she was prepping a whole hog, and for the day after, and to serve, and she was lovely, and she just grabbed me and dragged me to the front front seat of the of the band that was is not far from the basically outside the international tent, so I could get front eye view, and yeah, they really look after you. Yeah, get just as excited as you do, I think. <laughs> That's just incredible. 
yeah, it was it was an amazing and to to place where we did was even more amazing. Um, so which is terrific. How did you go there? Well, overall, because at that stage we at that stage they were only offering the international teams to cook one protein, so you had the choice of brisket, chicken, or pork ribs. And so pork ribs being one my my favourite, um, I chose those. Um, so altogether, um, there was four hundred and eighty six entries. And they're all judged on the same level, which is I don't know how they work it, but basically brisket, chicken and pork ribs all scored together or at the same time and against each other, so to speak. And um, we ended up coming 158, which was top third, which is, yeah, even beat Stuffy Stone at ribs. How crazy is that? Ooh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so with the six international teams, that took us to um, reserve grand champion in um, the internationals tent, which was, yeah, which was totally blew me away. I mean, you were cooking amongst, you know, some top, you know, you've got Tuffy Stone here, you've got uh, Joey next door in the in the champion tents and Carlos in the, in the in those in right next to you and you know you come that far and that was that was a, a huge um it was it was a great um a great boost for myself anyway because often we doubt our own abilities um so that was yeah it was amazing to go up against such formidable teams and and right there This is Jess Pryles and you're listening to Smoking Hot Confessions. If you're looking to get behind an Australian company that gets behind Australians, you need to check out Pitt Brothers Barbecue. They're a Brisbane-based business that are known for supporting our return servicemen and women. They have three pre-blended rubs and 15 individual ingredients, making it super easy for you to create your own unique taste sensation. My personal favourite is the rosemary, lemon and sea salt rub. It's sensational on chicken wings with a sweet barbecue sauce. They also stock premium Gigi lump charcoal which is grown and cooked in Queensland. While 2017 has been a big year, 2018 is going to be even bigger. They're launching a custom designed offset smoker, three premium gravies and are working with competition teams to develop some special new rub blends such as Porkapalooza by the Smoke and Sappers. You can keep up with all the Pit Brothers news on Facebook and Instagram by following at PitBroBBQ. Right now, they're offering an exclusive deal for you Smoking Hot Confessions listeners. Head on over to pitbrothersbarbecue.com.au, that's P-I-T-B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S-B-B-Q, and use the word confessions at checkout for a 10% discount. Once again, use confessions at checkout to get your 10% discount. And we're back. In this segment, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of barbecue manufacturing. So to kick things off, Julianne, what's your background? Uh, how has your background helped you get set up? Um, I guess uh, my background, um, well, my personal background is as accounts and, and marketing and those sorts of things. So a little bit of research on what my, um, what the public were looking for and I guess being on the road all those years helped us um, come to that conclusion too, um, that um, 
that there was a, a need out there for something that was mobile, especially in the wood-fired um, oven smoker sector at that stage. Um, so that helped confirm um, the, the need there. And so that helps keep on top of things um, with business. You always need to keep on top of those um, accounts and those sorts of things, letting things um, get fleeted away. Uh, Glenn's background um, as the builder, uh, he's pretty well a jack of all trades. He's been um, on the farms for, for some years and, and, and a driller. Probably he's gone into last 20 years. He was a, a driller. Um, so learned many a, um, a skill uh, doing both of those things. So so I guess our background has really got no nothing to do with um, manufacturing as such. It's, it was just a matter of um, it sort of just progressed into that um, over time, and um, yeah, just gone um, gone from there. So transferable yeah. skills is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that's right, definitely, especially um, when it comes to Glenn and design and um, and research and, and that sort of stuff um, with his welding and, and it definitely has definitely transferred over to um, manufacturing. Well, that's a good point for, for listeners who are thinking about um, about starting their own business. You don't necessarily need to have experience in that business already, but just take a good stock of what transferable skills you might have and then find a partner or a, or outsource the rest. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, out some, you know, there's no reason why you can't outsource, um, some products. I mean, Glenn started building, um, the ovens from scratch, including stainless shelves and all that sort of stuff. And it got to a stage where we were, uh, quite busy and and time was a restraint too obviously um you don't stop working sometimes you know sometimes you have to work two jobs and so we started outsourcing to local um manufacturers and um so we get our stainless shelves now um welded up through kendall's uh sheet metal and um they do a great job so it's great to sort of share um, part of that growth with them too and and give them a little bit of a um, a work on the side so and it's frees Glenn up to do a little bit of other um, more research and get and do his thing in the shed absolutely that sounds like a solid plan so so how has your life changed since becoming a barbecue manufacturer oh yeah well it's it's given us an opportunity um, to get involved um, with with you know, obviously we love wood-fired and to be involved once again with the community and sharing that love um, more openly and, and wider, um, I guess, has definitely changed. And being on the road for such a long time, it, obviously from place to place to place, um, it's hard to take those friends and family with you, but to come and now settle here in Perth and to grow that um, that you know friend base and and that family support um, here is um, is definitely changed in that respect. Um, yeah. Nice, very nice. So, for the listeners out there who are thinking of um, starting to build their own smokers, where should they start? 
<clears throat> I guess looking around at others and to and to you know seeing what others are using, what others are um, that comes back into your research again. Um, but have a, there's lots of stuff on the internet, on the Google, and those sorts of things. I mean, if you're looking. You know, we're not restricted or, or biased on, on what you want to build. If it's wood-fired or charcoal, you know, we'll tell you to go and look at Franklin's um, graph for offsets and all those sorts of things. You know, we encourage people to, to do their own thing. Um, but, um, yeah, there's plenty there's plenty of, um, of um, research and, and information on the net. Um, I guess it's just... Uh, uh, Having having the drive and just and the know how I guess just, yeah just and ask around. There's plenty of people um, in the industry. Hopefully you're in contact with that um, can give you lots of advice and um, and that encouragement back or even a helping hand on the way. Yeah, I I don't think there's any shortage of people that'll be willing to help out in the uh, in the barbecue community. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. So what resources would they need to get going? Well, you don't need a lot other than the passion to do it and, and to and to start. You've got to start somewhere. Um, so when it comes to building um, a smoker, you need as little as a welder and a, and a gas axe and patience. <laughs> you know, just just yeah, um, you don't need a lot of equipment to to start. And obviously, as time goes, um, you know, you, you make your little tweaks and everything on the way. Um, but yeah, just just um, yeah, just just have a go. Just just get in there and yeah, see what you can come up with. But yeah, there's plenty of info on, as I said, Google and stuff that will point you in the right direction if no one else can. I love it. Fantastic. So, what steps are involved in going from idea to prototype? It all, always starts with a drawing on a pad, idea in the head and transferred again down um, to something that's visual. Glenn can explain something to me so very clearly to him, but until I see it sitting on a, on a drawing or in physical form, um, sometimes I find it hard to get the concept. So drawings are definitely um, a start just so that you can get from your from your head onto paper um, what it is that you're looking for. Um, and then, of course, you, what materials you want to use. Um, you need to research that. I mean, we use a strong six mil steel, and that's our preference. We want it to last, something that's going to last, and not only yourself, but um, um, something you can pass down. So, and something that's, yeah, that's going to be. V- Preferably um, on our in our respect, it's versatile. But depending on what you want to cook, um, as I said, the offsets are if you're just into your meats and nothing else, so to speak, um, that uh, or little else, I should say. Um, yeah, and then it's the build. The build, obviously, putting it together from paper to to um, the the physical product, um, testing. Testing's a big thing. You've got to make use. There's you can't, um, yeah, you can't put anything out there that you're not going to use yourself, or um, that doesn't work. Of course, um, so testing is a big, big thing. As I said, um, with this new model that Glenn is putting together at the moment, we were um, 
he said he was going to leave it till Sunday, Monday, or it should be ready Sunday, Monday to um, to fire up and test. But um, come midnight last night, of course, um, we were firing it up just to test her out to see how she went. So testing's a very, very big thing. But if you're just making it for home for yourself, you can do that over t- over time um, as as you test your meats and over you know the the, the amount of smoke that's staying in or or that you want in or out and how your firebox works. Um, um, this is where Glenn's, um, Glenn's background and everything comes in with his design, um, which is probably a little hard for people to understand how it can go from a low and slow to a hot and fast so so quickly and easily. Um, but that's a little secret we'll keep to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. You can't reveal it all in a podcast. No, you cannot. And then, of course, um, you've got, you know, once you start testing, there's little modifications and those sorts of things. And then sometimes you have to go right back to the start and repeat the whole process and, you know, sometimes see where you went wrong or give yourself a pat on the back and, um, you know, it's it, uh, fingers crossed it all works well. so once you've got your prototype down what's involved Mm -hmm. in going from prototype to production i guess the the big thing is marketing is letting people know what you're doing and when uh, or even involving them in the process um our um facebook is a great um communicator in that respect love to sort of just you know people are a part of jagged and um, so marketing in that respect, in sharing the progress of each stage, um, which we have done with this latest one also. And, um, yeah, marketing is a big thing, just letting – even just getting out um, uh, expressions of interest. Um, there's no point in going full hog, so to speak, I guess. Nice. Unless, of course, your research has <laughs> yeah, told you differently. Um, but if you've got a whole new concept um, that's coming out, which is, you know, which is what ours is and the marketing is is continuing. Um, but, yeah, that's a definite uh, getting people's opinions, so to speak. And then, of course, to display, when we first started, we went to markets and festivals and we had our oven uh, or smokers sitting beside a built one, a clean one, sitting beside what we were working with as we were working the wood-fired um, oven beside. So getting people to see it and touch it is a big, big thing um, that we found. Um, we went great guns when we were constantly in people's faces, so to speak, um, at markets and festivals and events. And, you know, we'd go to pool and outdoor um festivals, the Better Homes and Gardens Festival we did here in Perth and we'd take our product there and display it. Uh, the big thing is people, if you're going to sell something, people need, want mostly to feel and touch it, and, um, especially if you profess that it does all this and that, um, which is a big thing. But we did notice the big difference once we came off the road and stopped doing um, displays um, that Facebook is a big marketing tool for us. And funnily enough, in the last probably 12 months, I would say 70% of our jaggers have gone across east. 
which is um, great encouragement because not one of them have seen or touched or seen it working. So they've trusted in the product and that's another big thing. They need to be able to see, like, for us, we use our products all the time, not just for the fact of showing, but um, we we love using them. But people can see that um, that that we're using it and and um, yeah, and get build that trust in that respect um, when you can't get out and display it. Um, so yeah, that's fascinating that that so many of those units have have come across to the east coast. Um, given that they're so heavy and. The way the population is spread around Australia, Perth is quite remote in in many regards. How do you handle distribution? Uh, well, basically, it goes. We've got um, done our homework, and we've gotten onto a really great um, transport company here. Um, we use we work with um, Sadlias. And um, they go from capital city, so from Perth Depot to Depot in each capital city. And um, they've got some really great rates, considering it's 290 kilos, for example, to from Perth to, say, Queensland for our standard um, is, um, to, you know, about $300 if that. Yeah, and then of course, if you want it delivered closer to your door, um, we um, always look up local um, couriers that can pick it up from the capital city depot and take it over further for you. Yeah. Wow, three hundred dollars to get that all the way across the continent. That's yeah. That, that, that's incredible. Yeah, it's great, and and it's funnily enough, it's actually t- cheaper to send it to east rather than it is to send it to north here in WA than it is, say, to Karatha here. Oh, you're yeah. kidding. No, no, <laughs> which is it's crazy because it's sort of, you know, out of the way, out back and, oh, yeah, up in the week, but um, Pilbara. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. It's crazy. So what's the hardest thing about being a barbecue manufacturer? Oh, I think the hardest thing for us is – getting our product understood. Um, as I said, um, in the one product, basically you're going, well, I've had it as low as um, under 100 Cs doing Chipotle for nine hours and then, you know, you can bump her up to um, to your low and slow temps at 250, 275. Or it's hard for us in our respect for people to understand the concept in one in one product um so they yeah so that would be the hardest thing for us as a manufacturer and just having people um work it once they do my goodness there's they, they don't turn back and sadly others um barbecues that they've had are left behind but you know it's good for them it's good for us but um but yeah, I think that that's the hardest thing. But it's just a simple tweak, and yeah, you can go from low to high and sit outside and enjoy the warmth of wood fire. Yeah, so I think it's, it's the hardest thing would be to have people understand your concept, or you know, getting your product out there. Yeah. So that's where we'd we'd tie back into social media there, wouldn't we? You'd be using exactly. your, your your Facebooks and Instagrams and all that to get that message yeah. clear. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. 
And, um, you know, as much as we don't like to, we, you know, through boosts and things like that, like I had a fellow call me this morning from Instagram and he's a local fellow that had not seen them before and he'll probably um, come up on Monday and have a further chat. And, yeah, so definitely social media if is a big, big – if you can build those relationships um, with those that have interest – I mean, over the, the years that um, we've been on social media, I think we joined in 2010, so going, it's a bit of a long haul, but um, we've acquired, um, you know, um, over 9,000 followers over the time. So, you know, hopefully the, them and friends of friends and so on and so on, social media does spread. Um, so if you can... Um, introduce yourself and um and your product through that avenue definitely is the way to go yeah i think you just hit on a key point there when you said building relationships on social media because there's a big difference between building relationships and just vomiting your product all over everybody so what would be your your tip for building a relationship um for for me for for us it's we're not we're not our page is a community page and it's not sell 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 if your product's good it will speak for itself um so once again just use your product build that trust um you know communicate you know if someone if someone's comments on your post um you know it's like a a conversation, treat it as like a, a conversation. Don't shy away from from answering people. Um, be honest, for sure. In in what, don't over exaggerate for for a sale or anything like that. I think if you go to our page, you'll very rarely see a sale post or come by with me or you know come take it home. Um, um, it's usually you know just just sharing what you do and and hopefully that will. Um, encourage others to get on board and support um, what you're doing. Beautiful yeah. advice. So let's yeah. let's flip that around now. What's the best thing about being a barbecue manufacturer? <laughs> oh, look, without a doubt, is just seeing people excited about wood fire, even little ones. You know, we've dropped off ovens and our first point of call because you can fluctuate our heat so much. Um, we always tell people, you know, bump her right up as far as you can, get her up to five, 600 Fahrenheit and throw in the pizzas. And as soon as the kids see that, the kids want to get involved straight away. So the, the, big, the, the best thing is, is to see that barbecue family grow and the enthusiasm of the little ones and, you know, just sharing it, just, you know, being able to share what you love. Is, is is a huge, huge blessing for sure and that would be definitely, you know, and, and seeing others um, using our product too um, and recommending it to others and saying that they wouldn't turn back and all that sort of stuff is, is a huge, huge um, encouragement. Yeah, but m- more just watching people enjoying the fact that, it, you know, they're cooking outside and they're in, involving Everybody's getting involved with it, um, and yeah, that's a that's a huge thing for us. So the connection to to other humans, to to, to other people. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And as I said, being being off the road, being on the road for some time, that's that's uh, that you know, just to have that um, those relationships build um, through through us manufacturing and sharing barbecue with other people is is been huge. So overall, how would you rate being a barbecue manufacturer? Overall, um, it's not always as glamorous as it looks. <laughs> Facebook and social media can it, it is, is wonderful. Um, but overall, we love it. You know, um, Glenn loves to tinker, so to speak, in the shed and put something together and have it work and um, have it shared and, and, you know, he doubts himself sometimes and it's great to have that um, confirmation that what he's doing is 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 good and um, is helping others and encouraging others. So, um, yeah, overall I'd rate it personally as, as top-notch, yeah. And, um, yeah, we enjoy it. We've been doing it for some four introduced some four years ago now our our jaggeds onto the market and um they're not going away any day soon <laughs> you're listening to the smoking hot confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster ben arnett local products don't get much more local than ministry of smokes smoking woods an Australian family-owned company specialising in native hardwoods as well as fruitwoods, Rod has never revealed his sources of his timber. But they do come from premium New South Wales and Queensland timber regions. I exclusively use Rod's products with Smoking Hot Confessions, and my favourites are his ironbark and applewood. And his Gigi Lump Charcoal is killer. Most exciting, Rod now produces his own range of pellets, including red wine, oak barrel and ironbark. These can be used in pellet grills and in smoker boxes in other types of barbecues. They're also great in the uni pellet pizza ovens for a delicious combination of smoke and pizza. As an added bonus, all his pellets are sold in food grade pails, so they're great for commercial operations as they can be repurposed. You can reach out to Rod on Facebook. Just search for Ministry of Smoke and shoot him a message. Okay, Julianne. We are now in segment three. Now, in segment two, you were talking about building relationships with uh, people through social media. You've obviously done that because we have a ton of really good listener questions here for you today. I've selected a dozen of the best, and we'll see how we get into them. How about that? Yeah, awesome. Hi, Julianne. Benson from Newcastle here. Having competed on the East and West Coasts, what do you find are the differences between the two scenes, if any? Thank you. Uh, hey, Benton. Uh, thank you. Uh, I would say the biggest difference in the two scenes from east to west is the size of the competitions. Um, our biggest to date here has been um, 24 teams at Smoking on the Water, um, which I helped coordinate, which was wonderful. But um, the teams over there and the comps over there are, are huge, and not only in numbers but um, in in the skills um, that um, are practised over there. You guys um, certainly have um, peaked um, everybody's um, abilities here. We need to um, 
up our game to get over there. Except Boyd, my goodness, Boyd travels far and wide, and he is a gem. Don't know how he does it. But yeah, as for the two different scenes, I would definitely say size in competitions, and um, and I guess you guys may have um, settled or are more open to your to to new profiles over there. Um, but at the moment. Um, uh, we're sort of still growing, uh, I guess, over here ourselves. So, yeah. Hi, Dion from the Mid-North Coast, New South Wales. Julian, what is the biggest difference between a Dagrit smoker and any other smoker? Thanks. <laughs> the all-important question. Um, the difference between Jagged and, and any other smoker is the fact that a jagged is not just a smoker. This is why it's it's hard to sort of put a name to what we do because um, a jagged is a grand champion low and slow smoker, as um, was kindly pointed out by Robert Maxwell from Radar Hill uh, when we won. He said, take that. Um, so it is. Um, but also it's, you know, it's unlike other smokers, we can you can get your heat in and uh, maintain it. Um, it. A jagged is fully insulated from firebox right down and and around um, the cooking chamber area, so that helps maintain um, the temperature. Um, whether you're low and slowing, um, as um, previously said, you know I've had it as low as under 100 Celsius for smoking chipotle, which is so sweet in the smoker. And um, then, of course, you can bump her up as high as 600, you know, 300, 350 um, Celsius to do your pizzas. And in between, you've got your baking and if you're into it, your baking of your breads and stuff. So that's the difference between our smoker and others is that she's so versatile and um, you, you, well, you only really need one, but. Who wants just one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, and the fact that, um, you know, it's, yeah, the kids can get in and, you know, enjoy enjoy the wood fired as well. It's not just a dad's job, so to speak. It's the whole family um, getting involved in, in the wood fired from low and slow right through to um, pizzas. Hi, it's Alan from Briley Island. Julianne? What is your favourite protein to cook and what has been your most successful protein? Thanks. Oh, my favourite protein would definitely be pork ribs. Once again, they're a winner with um, with anybody um, and they're always a quick favourite um, to share. And um, when anyone's looking for, for low and slow, I guess, pork ribs and briskets um, as their first port of call, um, but and that's also probably um, been my biggest success um, taking those to Houston and our flavours to Houston um, um, with our pork ribs. Yeah, over there we ended up um, taking our own wood over there, our own jam wood. Um, so whether that had a um, a bearing on our placing. So high, um, I don't know, but I like to think that we introduce a little bit of as Aussie flavour over there, which encouraged the the scoring. 
Um, but definitely ribs. Ribs is definitely, you know, you can do them low and slow or as hot and fast um, as you like. Just wrap them up and treat them nice. Now, that's interesting because there's no way that someone visiting here from America would be able to just throw some smoker wood in a suitcase and come on in. Was there any... Was there anything that you had to do to that wood before you could take it into the States? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, I, absolutely nothing. It just stacked in around my clothes in the suitcase and we took 10 kilos of wood. Um, and no, I called customs before I left just to make sure, of course. Um, imagine leaving a pile of wood at the customs. Um, but no, anything goes in. Just nothing comes out or nothing comes home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nothing comes yeah. back to Australia, yeah. No, other than rubs. Rubs we didn't have any problems with. Um, they did get tested um, because, of course, we bought some rubs over there and um, opened them and tested them and what's what, whatever else have you. And um, they were checked but and they were open, but no, no problem at all. Now, were they tested before you got on the plane or after you, you got back to Australia? Back, back, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, no, no testing over there. Yeah, g'day, Ben. It's Rowan from Rowan's Slow Barbecue Team, Tasmania. I uh, just got a quick question for Julianne. I was just wondering what her best and worst moments of the uh, Houston competition were, and uh, if she picked up any pointers from uh, travelling over to the States that she'd be prepared to share. Thanks, guys. All the best. Oh, best and worst of Houston. That would the best would um, be coming um, as high as in the category as what we did, but just meeting the just meeting everybody and sharing in in the wonderful. Seriously, it felt like home. Um, we were that welcomed there, and people couldn't be any more hospitable if they tried. Um, so that was definitely a highlight is just bringing home lots and lots of friends that, um, we hope will come here and, um, that we can obviously meet up again with when we return, because that is a plan. And, um, the uh, pointers, um, just have fun, just have fun, relax. Um, I know there's lots of big competitors there, but once again, you never underest should never underestimate yourself. Um, yeah, just, just have fun, go with it. Uh, oh, actually one pointer, please do not drink too much the night before the official turn-ins <laughs> yes, because it is possible. Uh, definitely. Um, yes, not a, not a good idea, but that's, that goes for every comp <laughs> really. But I got into the spirit of spirit, definitely. Of <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, um, no, just have, just, yeah, a pointer would just be to have a, have a ball. Yeah. Have a ball and lap it up, you know, and take lots of photos, get, get with those other teams and, you know, and yeah, yeah. Bring back my memories. Hi, this is Amanda from Perth, WA. I've been watching the Jack Rudd um, journey since inception. Congratulations, guys. But what I'd like to know is, have you thought about outsourcing your manufacturing of the ovens here or overseas to make them a little bit more affordable? Thanks and congrats again. That is a great question, Amanda, and one that people have put to us right from the start. Um, 
Admittedly, yes, our oven jaggeds are um, high-ticket items. Um, but once again, you have to sit back and just have a look for a minute at what she does. Um, like our standard is is um, ranges from is four and a half thousand dollars. Now that is like a wall price to a lot of people, but you're not it's you're not just cooking one method with a jacket. You're cooking. You know, you can dehydrate your chipotle, you can low and slow your, your briskets and your ribs and so on and so forth. You can do your breads and your biscuits. You can do your pizzas parties. Um, you, if you really want to open the door when you're done and you've got your outdoor heater. Um, um, so she's she's a, she, she, she does a lot. So I understand people's balk at the price, but... We don't want to undervalue she, – we can't undervalue her either. But as for going overseas and outsourcing, that has been one of my big, big things is not to do. Our big thing is to support local businesses as much as that doesn't bring the price down. Um, you know you're getting a good quality product. You know that it's going to be strong and it's going to outlast um, any or many. Um but, you know, we also want to reach and share with those um, that feel they can't, which is why we've sort of introduced our interest-free terms uh, over six or 12 months. So you can purchase and what I say is you can play, uh, pay while you play um, in that respect. But we've done a little research um, to, um, to, um, in the last six to 12 months and to bring the price down. So... It is more affordable. Um, it may um, involve outsourcing further, um, which would certainly um, free Glenn up and myself up to um, go and, um, what can I say, um, display or, um, you know, give people an idea of what she does so we can go in and cook for others and, and introduce her to, uh, that way and it would free us up to do that. Um, um, yeah, going overseas, it's, it's, a, it's a possibility, a sad possibility, but if we do do that, we will certainly still keep our custom jaggeds working built here. So it would not um, deplete the quality by going overseas because I wouldn't do it. If it was going to delete, de deplete the quality or the capability of it in any way, there's no way we'd go anywhere else. And, Glenn, we'd just have to train others to um, to build them here. So, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's, it's, a, it's a torn, torn situation, that one. As much as we want to get our product out there, we don't want to lessen its value, so to speak, or take business away from local businesses. Hi, Julianne. This is Bree from the Gold Coast. Who are your favourite suppliers in Western Australia that listeners should reach out to to get the best produce for low and slow? Mm, good question, Bree. Thank you. Um, the there's a couple of well, uh, probably um, a, a few fellows that I personally go to. Um, first and foremost, it would be um, Mondo Butchers. 
they um, carry some beautiful meats and um, very reasonable. And Vince and the team there are always happy to help. Um, so Mondo Mondo Butchers would be, be one. And they also support, um, through Mondo Community Warriors, um, the charity side, uh, full charity side of barbecue here too. So once again, we support them back. And um, then there would be uh, Troy Heppel, the secret butcher here. He's a wholesale butcher, but he opens and supplies the barbecue um, girls and guys and girls here um, on particular days, like Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, um, you'll see a lineup of barbecuers going to get his Troy's um, Troy's meats from Troy's Meats. Um, so, and he supplies our briskets and ribs for competition here um, for jagged for our jagged team. And another would be Ray from um, Warmbro Meats. He's got um, some beautiful – he's always ready to supply, always ready to give a helping hand and advice on low and slow. And um, he provides a lot of, of info and, and cuts for low and slow and supports that in a great way too. So, But, you know, if you get uh, – it depends if you're coming over quickly, so you need a good catch-up. Those three I would certainly recommend. Yeah. Hi, this is Claire from Coast Hills. I just want to know if Jagged Ovens are going to be expanding their range at all. Hmm. Uh, Glenn's brain is always going, always, always going. So as I said at the moment, we've got a new model coming out. Um, I could probably, um, with all that I've shared already, I could probably say we've got outside our jaggeds, we've got a new um, uh, self-feed basically um, charcoal smoker coming out, cabinet smoker. So that is going to definitely enhance the jagged range. Um, so it's basically last night we had it running and um, got it up to 350 Fahrenheit. So uh, we're always looking at, at new products. Um, Glenn's always, you know, there's always a chance that – we can work full-time on the manufacturing and also obviously our woods and everything like that um, we're starting to settle into now and and getting those out and supplying those. So as for the smoker range, there's always a possibility of expansion for sure. And, um, yeah, we're just hoping that this um, – we're sure this cabinet um, smoker will – take that into the, onto the next level. There seems to be a lot of interest in, in cabinet smokers at the moment. I think it's to do a lot with the, uh, with the efficiency of them. Yeah, well, it was crazy. I mean, as I said, we got up to 350 last night once she started uh, cranking and um, left her at midnight and come 8 o'clock this morning. Um, she was still sitting on, you know, 100, 100 uh, Celsius or 100 Fahrenheit, sorry. And, um, yeah, so obviously overnight with a little bit of tweaking, she may have gone all the way, but we didn't fill that the, the barrel, um, so to speak, the chute um, all the way. So that was just a little test run to see how she burned. But there is, there is, because they're more set and forget. I mean, we're yet to time this one, but we're estimating that you'll get about a 12-hour cook. 
um, in this in this cabinet smoker, and she's large enough to hold, you know, the average of that restaurants and stuff. It's just, um, a great entry level for restaurants and cafes and stuff like that that want to get the authentic smoked meats out there. So cabinets are definitely um, something to look into if you're looking into catering and that sort of thing. Oh, hi, Ben. It's Linda from New South Wales. Julianne, I'm just curious. We're about to travel to compete overseas, and I just wondered if you had any advice on what I should take or how you obtain um, all the things that you need to compete um, when you're overseas. Um, I did a hi Linda and thank you. Um, I did a little bit of research, obviously, um, for butchers and stuff like that before we left for Houston. I had a few contacts there already, so if you have contacts overseas, definitely utilise them for local meats and stuff like that. Being in the barbecue scene here allows you to um, ask those questions a little bit wider. Um, so and. So as for your meats and products and stuff like that, I would definitely ask local. Search local on Google and and just go in and have a look. Speak to the – we um, when we were advised to go to HEB, which is a huge um, supermarket, um, all seriously supermarkets overseas or in Houston especially, um, in Texas um, – Everything's there at your doorstep. So you've got your meat, your alcohol, all in one store. So we went and tapped on the door at the butchers at HEB and had a chat with him, let him know that we were competing or, or and they're more than helpful. They brought out box upon box of, of pork ribs being our choice and um, we were able to pick from the bunch. And um, so definitely um, get some local feedback on on butchers. And as for travelling as, as such, pack lightly. <laughs> I think we took a whole case between us of stuff that we never even touched while we we're over there, but that's usually a, um, a general rule for most people, pack more than you need. Um, yeah, so... What what you should take take your definitely take your um, knives your your utensils that you would normally use. Um, we obviously took our sleeve, and um, what else did we take? We took a few of our own flavors, our own spices from here. Um, of course, um, depending on where you are, you may even be able to take your favorite wood if it's not available there, and. Um, yeah, so just just take things that you can't do without, especially your knives from here. Anything else, generally those that you're competing with or the organisers um, will help you out with um, when we were over there. We, we, I think we, when once we got there, we bought some cheap tongs and a brush and oh, I think I took my brush actually. But, you know, it's just those little things that you can pick up at the local supermarket that you don't need to carry but definitely take your knives and don't pack too heavy. Hey, Julianne, it's Nigel here from the Gold Coast. As an East Coast Australian in the subtropics, I'm really familiar with the food bowl areas that we've got over here, but all I know about Western Australia is that Margaret River is famous for wine. So are there other areas in WA that have signature foods and which of those are most relevant for barbecuers? 
Oh, the big food bowl area for here is, um, oh, goodness, um, Carnarvon is a big one. Um, they have all your fruits and your um, your chilies and all those sorts of things. Um, that's a bit north of us. So, yeah, they've got the banana fields and um, and those sort and, you know, keep everyone up to do- date there. Um, so, yeah, um, Carnarvon being the big one, um, to tell you the truth, we don't really – there's a – the Gascoigne um, area, they, they do a great initiative um, with the agricultural and food. So um, Northern Australia, um, Australia is just taking shape um, with their um, what they're doing. So, yeah, for me, I would say Carnarvon's a big one. But then if you're talking meats, I would say Harvey down south, you've got your Harvey beefs and all those sorts of things and, and they're growing growing their meat, so to speak. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you've sort of got your north and your south, your heat and your cooler areas. Uh, hi, my name's Jay and I'm from Meatstock and you're listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions. Thank you so much for your time today, Julianne. But before we wrap this up, what are your three top tips for people who want to start manufacturing their own smokers? Oh, first tip is research. Definitely do your research. Get on Google. Um, do your market research too um, to see the viability of what it is you want to bring out onto the market, see if there's a need or you're filling a need um, in the market. Um, so that would definitely be my first. Uh, there's another the second tip would be, um, you know, obviously make sure that you've got the skill and the tools to work with. Um, don't don't go over the top on purchasing a, a lot of things that you may, um, you know, find you can do without for a start. Be careful not to put too much um, funds in to begin with. Um, and test and testing and definitely test out on family, friends, um, get opinions. Um, don't be don't be shy on getting other people's ideas or opinions for sure, um, because they might not just be theirs. They might be a broader opinion that you need to take note of. Um, but yeah, but just be patient and um, yeah, just take your time. I mean, the from from drawing to conception on the first jagged was over 18 months. So it's not something you can have in your head and built, you know, not necessarily the next day. Um, so it will take time. And if it's a product that you're confident in, um, keep plugging away. Don't don't give up. Don't Definitely don't give up if it's something you believe in and, and trust that um, people are going to want and utilise. Well, those are some great tips right there, Julianne. Thank you so much for sharing. The confessional is now all yours. Take a couple of minutes, give some shout-outs to whoever you'd like and tell people where they can get a hold of you on the internet. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, big, big thank you um, goes way back um, to family and friends that encouraged us to just to, to start working wood-fired right from the start. And those that, um, you know, 
encourage our crazy ideas or Glenn's crazy ideas in, in building this and that. And, um, yeah, and, and Glenn, for all the hard work he does, my goodness, is not often – it's many a time I drag him out of the shed at, you know, after – after 10 and, and close to midnight. So he does a huge, huge job. I get, um, sorry, and the, the barbecue community here in WA, you know, they're a constant encouragement, um, whether it be through the smoking on the water, the barbecue club, um, you know, they're constantly encouraging us and, you know, giving the go-ahead and, you know, letting us know that what we're doing is right and to keep plugging. So, um, their their encouragement and friendship and has been invaluable. Um, but yeah, people can get hold of us. Our biggest view of what we get up to is on our Facebook. So just look for Jagged J A G R D um, through Facebook, Jagged Woodfired, and you can see and join in what we get up to there. Uh, we've got our website, of course. So that's under um, www jagged outdoor ovens or one word dot com dot au that's yet to be changed to jagged wood fired and um, of course we've got our instagram that we're um, sharing with and building a, a, a team there too so um, that's where you can get hold of us and you're most welcome obviously through any of those to give us a call and have a chat about what you may want to uh, custom build yourself um, we're always available for in for ideas. Lovely. Thank you so much. Well, we are now at the end of our interview. So I do want to say one more time, thank you so much for sharing so much knowledge. And I want to wish you all the best of luck for both the Jagged Business and your 2018 comp season. I am going to have to hop on a plane and get over to one of your WA comps very soon. Absolutely you are. And thank you for having us. No, it's been a, a, an honor to have a chat. And definitely you need to get over here. Linda from um, um, Highland Q came over last year and, um, yeah, she they loved it. So it's definitely a different um, vibe, so to speak. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Well, family, how good was that? I've often found myself pondering an idea that I've had for something I'd like to build and that was fascinating to learn just how much work is involved in getting an operation like that up and running. And how cool is Julianne? Make sure you keep up with their adventures on both Facebook and Instagram to become a part of their community. Just run a search for J-A-G-R-D and you'll find them. Next Thursday, we'll see us closing out season two, but I've saved the best to last. I'll be closing out this ripper of a season with one of the most well-known personalities in Australian barbecue and now the American barbecue scene too. I'm speaking, of course, of Jess Pryles, co-founder of the ABA and now internationally published author based out of Texas. In this interview, Jess is going to be revealing all about her journey from Melbourne to Texas and also what it takes to become a published author. If you have a bunch of recipes that you reckon would look good in print, you've got to tune into this episode. Big thanks and much gratitude go out to this episode's sponsors, Clean Heat Charcoal, Pitt Brothers Barbecue and Ministry of Smoke. Their support makes this project possible. I've put their links in the episode description, so please click on through to their sites to claim those awesome offers for you loyal Smoking Hot Confessions listeners. If you have a message you'd like to get out in front of a barbecue mad audience, send me an email directly at ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Shoutouts also have to go to those who called in and left questions for Julianne. 
Bronnie, Benton, Dion, Alan, Paul, Rowan, Amanda, Bree, Claire, Linda, and Nigel. It was awesome to see so many people with questions for Julianne, and she had a fantastic time answering them. If you'd like more, I have published a free ebook just for you. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash ebooks to get your copy now. I've put a link in the description. Also, head on over to Facebook and join the Smoking Hot Confessions community, and let's continue the conversation. It's a group dedicated to teaching, learning, and sharing all about barbecue, and all the BS is left at the door. Everybody has a place in the Smoking Hot Confessions community. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a review. This way, the episodes will be delivered to more people's devices by a group of wild things led by a naughty boy named Max. Until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>